This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. So whether you want to catch the game live or watch the latest blockbuster, they've got you covered. And there's no annual contract. DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together at directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location. Restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Cox Home Life. Cox helps make your home smarter. And now you can pull up your Home Life cameras on your TV with your Contour voice remote and some simple voice commands. To learn more, visit cox.com slash thisishome. Hi, I'm Polly Campbell, and this is Simply Set. said the podcast where we talk about how to live well do good and be happy and a lot of times that means we need to get out of our own way and do the things that not only make us feel good but help us engage fully in our experience and our lives do you ever feel like you get caught up people pleasing or going for perfect over good enough do you feel like you're over functioning taking over for everyone else feel like you have to do everything overthinking every little detail uh, yeah, yeah, I've been there and I do that, but I'm learning to live easier. And the more I learn, the more I'm able to avoid those traps that really limited my life. We're going to be talking about those forms of self-sabotage and others. And I've got a great guest to lead us through it today. Melody Wilding is an executive coach for smart, sensitive, high achievers and the author of the new book, Trust Yourself, Stop Overthinking and Channel Your Emotions for Success at Work, which you can pre-order now. You want, you're going to want to do that, especially after this show. Melody has worked with people, CEOs, employees at Netflix, Twitter, IBM, the Oprah Magazine, NBC Studios, and she is here to help us break free from the self-doubt and imposter syndrome that so many of us feel so that we can use our sensitivity as a superpower. Melody, let's get to it. I've done all these things. I do all these things. I'm learning and getting better, but man, we want to talk to you about this today and how we can get back in the game a little bit and feel easier about it. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I love your book. It got a sneak peek. Um, and one of the things that really struck me is uh, this term you, you call sensitive striver. What is that? Yeah, a sensitive striver is a term I have coined that refers to someone who is both highly sensitive and high achieving. So these are people who think and feel everything more deeply than most people. And biologically speaking, it's about 15 to the 20% 20 of the population that has a genetic trait difference of sensitivity that leads them to pick up on more stimuli, what's happening both within them and around them. So they are highly attuned to their own emotions and those of other people. And sensitive strivers, we tend to be deeply caring. We give our 100% to everything we do, but that can often come at the cost of having an inner world that's on overdrive. So while we have tremendous strengths like empathy and thoughtfulness, we can also be more susceptible to stress, 
emotional overwhelm and overthinking. Man, I know that. But when I was a kid, we didn't have a name for it, right? We were yeah. we were just encouraged to uh, get over it. Don't take things so seriously. Don't make problems bigger than they are. That kind of mm-hmm. stuff. That's right. Stop taking things so personally. Why are you so sensitive? Grow with thicker skin. Yeah, and those stories follow us through through adulthood. And then they can become uh, inadequacies that we feel about ourselves. We can feel like we're never enough. We're fragile. We can't handle situations. So we can actually internalize those stories to mean negative things about ourselves. So instead of viewing these things as part of our character, even a, a genetic predisposition, we start to see them as a liability, something we have to avoid or hide or, or overcome by being better. That's right. And it, it is a genetic predisposition. So it is part of your personality. It is part of who you are. But we start to undermine ourselves. We don't recognize the upsides of the trait we only recognize the downsides of it. So we don't recognize all of the tremendous powers that come with being highly sensitive, empathy, emotional intelligence, heightened perceptiveness to what's going on around you. But we're so painfully, acutely aware of all of the downsides because that's what gets in our way and that's what causes us pain. But the strengths just feel like, well, anybody could do that. Doesn't everyone walk in a room and kind of instantly get a vibe? And no, they don't. Only about one in five people do. So what comes so naturally and easily to us, we we disregard as unimportant. I have absolutely experienced that. Is there a hallmark for, for those of us listening to the show? Are there is there a way we can determine if we are this kind of sensitive person and, and so yes. we can learn to work with it better? Yes. And I, I can give you a few questions yeah. to ac- ask yourself. So If you are someone who experiences emotions to an unusual level of depth and complexity, so you have deep emotions, you have complex emotions, you may feel a lot of things at once, uh, that's a great sign of sensitivity. As is the tendency to pause before you act. So if you are someone who uh, thinks deliberately and deeply about a decision before acting, who thinks deeply about the world and yourself. um, That's another hallmark Mm. of sensitivity. Um, And then the striver side is very much um, sensitive strivers tend to have a very strong desire to exceed expectations in every aspect of their life. They want to be the best. They place a lot of pressure on themselves to succeed. They are driven and ambitious. Um, And again, while they're very self-aware, you may have an inner critic that never takes a day off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You may have struggled with burnout or be someone who's very easily impacted by stress. So an aspect of the trait of sensitivity is being overwhelmed more easily that we, we have a, um, a heightened sensitivity to input that's happening all around. So we're like a sponge for everything that's happening around us, the energy pressure. And so our stress threshold is met more easily and quickly than other people, Um, which can also mean if you are someone who has ever frozen when under pressure, for example, like if you had to speak up in a meeting, um, it's very common to freeze because your, your stress level is so high. 
you, when you're talking, you use the word we a lot. You also <laughs> share personal stories in the book. How did you arrive at this? I know this is something you've explored in your personal life as well. How did, how did this come, uh, come to you? Yeah. So my entire life uh, growing up, you know, I was, I was a very sensitive child. I was one of those kids that cried at Bambi and couldn't watch the rest of the Bambi movie. I know. I I still won't watch it with my daughter. I know. Yes. And so I, I was that kid. So just from a young age, you know, myself and also everyone around me recognized that I was a little more uh, empathetic than, than your average kid. Um, And as I, as I grew up, you know, into adulthood, um, I hit a really bad stint with burnout early, very early on in my career, because I was so driven to want to do my best. I wanted to make people happy. I had also followed the path of success that had been laid out for me. Uh, so I had, I wanted to do everything right. So I went to, got good grades in school, went to a good college, got a good career, but I had followed what externally was right and had really disregarded or never really even thought about and cultivated what my needs were. And so I had really set myself up for a career and a life that was not compatible with my qualities and my traits as a sensitive person. And as a result, hit a burnout very early on in my career, a very severe burnout that really was a wake-up call. Uh, a wake-up call to look at how I had been living my life on autopilot, how many of the the habits that had gone unchecked, some things we're going to talk about today, like overthinking and imposter syndrome, were really just eroding my my energy and my confidence and my being. Um, a lack of boundaries. I, I was people-pleasing all over the place. And if someone said jump, I'd ask how high. Uh, and it just had really left me in this very fragile place where I was a shell of myself. And so that was very much a wake-up call. And my, my background is as a therapist. So I had to use all of the tools that I learned in my, in my therapy, my psychology and neuroscience training, had to use all of that on myself. And uh, so alongside of this, I had been building my coaching practice. And now I've been coaching for 10 years. And uh, very gratefully, it's been this in- incredible journey of actually finding my own personal journey, really line up with the people I best serve and really seeing those parallels so that, I mean, it's the greatest, it's the greatest opportunity and gift, you know, I, I could have ever asked for. That's awesome. And, and you talk about these qualities going unchecked, because that's really yeah. it, right? It, it's not yeah. like we're going to get rid of all these feelings. We're just going to become aware of them in a way where they don't hold us back then. Yes. You want to think of the different qualities you have as a sensitive striver. And there's actually six that I outline, which we, we can talk about, but you want to think of them as tools. They're really neutral in and of themselves, but the way you use it can either be used to your advantage or disadvantage. Mm. So for example, one of the qualities is thoughtfulness. So sensitive strivers are highly uh, contemplative. They're reflective, intuitive, which is a tremendous asset. But on the flip side, if that tendency, if that mental depth is left unchecked, it can become excessive worrying, indecision, Mm -hmm. self-doubt. You can become overly self-critical. So it's really about giving, and the book and and my work is really about giving sensitive strivers the, the tools that they need to really use their qualities to their advantage and mitigate the downsides. 
I like that you don't see the sensitivity as a liability. You, you call it a superpower, in fact. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's a nice, right there, that's helping me reframe some of these things that I thought was just me overreacting, you know, mm-hmm. or feeling upset about and, and it's just kind of wired into me. So yeah, why don't you give us a quick hit of the six? You said thoughtfulness sure. was one. Yes. So we have uh, actually the six qualities spell out the acronym STRIVE. So very easy to remember, Love STRIVE, it. like sensitive striver. So first we have sensitivity, which is having that heightened nervous system response. So a heightened physiological response to everything that's happening within you and around you. Uh, so again, you're very attuned to the environment and very, very aware, alive, but that can lead you to get very easily overstimulated, especially if you feel observed or evaluated or otherwise put under pressure. So that's the first one is that idea of sensory sensitivity. Then there is thoughtfulness, which I just explained, being contemplative, reflective, but getting into worrying, doubt, indecision. Next, we have responsibility. So sensitive strivers, we are very dependable. We are the person you can always count on to follow through, keep our promises, but we also can't bear to let people down. So we may sacrifice our own being, and you used the word before, a word, uh, concept I love, this idea of over-functioning. We may take on too much responsibility and actually create an unhealthy dynamic. Uh, the fourth strive quality is inner drive. So that's that desire to exceed expectations. So sensitive strivers, we have a strong internal pull to always keep learning, growing, challenging ourselves, and, and to always keep hitting goals, but we may take on too many goals and set a really high bar for achievement. So we can get into perfectionism that nothing is ever good enough. And then fifth is vigilance. So that is your attention to your surroundings. So being keenly aware of other people's behaviors, subtleties, and like I alluded to before, this can be great for paying attention to different nuances, body language, the general mood and, and vibe of what's going on. But you're always on high alert. It's like your antenna is always up taking in information. So we may sometimes read into situations and assume there's danger where there is none. Like if someone gives us uh, benign feedback, for example, uh, and just kind of having your antenna up all the time is really draining. <laughs> you're, you're constantly yeah. running your battery, looking at the surrounding. Uh, and then the last drive quality is emotionality. So sensitive strivers, highly emotional, intelligent, uh, emotional intelligence were very sincere, empathetic. We have big emotional responses, both positive and negative. So we are people that can really experience the richness of joy and gratitude, excitement, but we can also get stuck in very intense modes of anger, fear, uh, anxiety, and we can stay stuck in those modes longer than most people if we don't have the right tools. So those are our six drive qualities. I, I think that's so useful. And in my book, which is coming out in March, it's called yeah. You Recharge, kind of came out of me being in a really stuck place and needing to figure out how to recharge some of these components in my life so that mm-hmm. I, I didn't stay in that place of negative emotionality. You yeah. know, I was stalled in that. Uh, do we have, is striving the problem? Is it bad to have goals? Is it bad to want others to like what we do, to uh, to enjoy our work or to achieve 
these things? Not, not at all. Not at all. I always say, you know, I am, I am ambitious and driven to the core. That's part of who I am. And if you were to take that away from me, it would just, it would be a huge hole in, in my life. My work means a lot to me and I care about it. And that's part of what makes me so invested and, and good at it, I think. So that, and that serves for all sensitive strivers, but it's a balance. And the key is to strike the right balance of, of course, we need approval and we need goals. We need something to go after, to structure our lives. We all need approval to some extent to know we're doing well and to feel validated. Those are just human needs. The, the problem is that for sensitive strivers, it, it can sometimes become a dependency. So for example, with our goals, we may place so much stock in our goals that we approach them with a very binary view, a very all or nothing. If I reach my goal, I'm a success. If I don't, I'm a failure. We, we hinge so much of our self-esteem on accomplishments and same thing with approval. We're constantly looking to others to validate us, tell us we're okay, tell me I did a good job that we don't build the muscles to validate ourselves. And if you are not getting approval, which you can't control, you can't force people <laughs> to say you're great, uh, th that's a very precarious and dangerous place to be because it is out of your control. Um, so, so absolutely, it's, it's completely normal and human to, to want those things and to have those drives. But you want to be careful not to over-index on it and have it become a dependency that your your self-esteem and your self-confidence hinges on those things. And without them, you feel completely inadequate and awful. I think that's an important point because we can even strive, strive, strive and, and get those things and find they're not enough anyhow, right? Exactly. Yes, <laughs> There's exactly. never enough if we're in that right. dependent mode. Okay. Mm -hmm. So how do we do this? How do we, and you, your book is great. It's full of all kinds of uh, worksheets and practices and ideas and exercise. Uh, Pre-order her book now. You can get Melody Wildling's book, Trust Yourself, Stop Overthinking, and Channel Your Emotions for Success at Work, where books are sold, or go to her website, melodywilding.com, and there's tons of information there. And that's a Simply Nifty section for today. You know, I always pop a book in there, but this one is, is uh, really struck me because I can relate to so much of it. And I want to learn how to use this stuff to become a superpower, to really launch me into the things that feel good and where I can do the greatest service and, and make the biggest contribution. So Melody, how do we, how do we validate ourselves? How do we get out of this, uh, where, this perfectionism and this need to um, have outside approval? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the first is identifying where you need to get out of your own way. I think that's first and foremost. So some of the most common beliefs that tend to hold sensitive strivers back, first and foremost is the belief of not enoughness, that uh, I'm not good enough, a uh, bit of imposter syndrome that at any moment I'm going to be found out as a fake mm. or a fraud, assuming that sensitivity is a weakness, that, there, that inherently I am flawed rather than seeing it as the strength that it is. Mm -hmm. And so managing that self-talk, your thoughts create your reality. So the quality of thoughts dictates the quality of your life because we, we as humans, we want to act in accordance with our beliefs. So if your belief is that you have nothing valuable to share, well, you're never going to put yourself out there in a meeting. You're never going to start that business or write a book 
or whatever it is, name, name, name the thing that you're trying to do. So your thoughts create your reality in a very, in a very fundamental sense, not in a, not in a woo woo sense. So it's very important to look at the quality of your self-talk and one of the easiest ways, a, a trick I love to give my clients and that they gravitate, gravitate to a lot is this idea of naming your inner critic. And that's a very simple little hack, giving your inner critic a name. It can be a character. Uh, it can be a name of someone you don't like. The point is to give your inner critic an identity so that you can recognize when it's coming up so you're not as fused with those thoughts. Uh, but also so that you start to gain some psychological distance from it. You're able to recognize its voice, but to put it in its place and not automatic, automatically believe what it's telling you. You're able to have a moment of pause and self-control to step in and say, is this really the truth of the situation? Is this really the thought that's going to serve me and actually move me towards my goals right now? So you have more of a choice rather than just kind of an automatic defaulting to a certain response. I, I love naming the inner critic idea because it, it allows me to give some, to talk back to somebody and, and have kind of this outside sense to, to externalize the inner feelings I'm having. So they're away from me a little bit. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That, you make right, it now I need to come up with a name. I love that. Let's make that the simply start today. We all have these thoughts of self-doubt once in a while, we're all going to experience some imposter syndrome or sensitivity. We want we want people to like us, right? To like what we're doing. But it's important that we step in and we keep our boundaries up so that we are creating the life we want, the lives we want to live, not creating the lives others want us to live. So simply start today, start by sitting back and becoming aware of your inner language, the way you're talking to yourself. And what is that inner critic saying? And who is that inner critic? Characterize that voice. Give it a name so that you can be in dialogue and help reframe your own self-doubt. Is there one more thing we can start on today to avoid our overthinking, to avoid these traps, or at least catch ourselves when we're moving that direction? Yes. Yes. And actually, in the vein of managing your emotions, you were talking about that before. I would love to share a simple practice that will be helpful. You were just talking about boundaries. And that is so important because as sensitive strivers, we will prioritize everyone else ahead of ourselves to the detriment of ourselves, where you may feel like your, your life, your time, your attention is not even yours anymore. So one way you can actually use your emotions as a tool and a strength is to look at where you have certain emotions coming up that can be a sign that a boundary needs to be set. So I would say for listeners, the best place to start with that is to look at where the emotion of resentment is coming up in your life. Hmm. Resentment is a very strong sign that you have let a situation go on for too long that you are not happy with, that it's compromising some sort of uh, value or boundary, something that's important to you. You're doing something that you don't want to do, yet you're not being honest with yourself to voice that to yourself. And you're probably not being honest with the other person <laughs> that you might have to voice yeah. that with. Like, let's say you're responsible for more things around the house and that's leading to resentment or you took on an extra project at work and now you're feeling resentful that someone else isn't pulling their weight. That's a very sure sign that a boundary needs to be set. 
and that speaking up for yourself, using your voice in that way, taking back control of your energy is a very powerful way to, to, to take back control and to rebalance those strive qualities. So you're using them, um, as an advantage. I love that. And it's interesting to me that you went first for resentment, because I think that's something that we don't think about. And I think it can undermine everything. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. I love this stuff. You guys go buy this book. I, I get excited when I can kind of pinpoint things I can learn about to feel better, right? It's that simple. I'm not going to stop being me. But uh, if I can get get out of some of these traps so that I can be more of me, that, that feels good. That makes sense to me. Check out Melody's book, go to melodywilding.com. She writes a lot about these topics and it's all good stuff. So check it out. Pre-order her book, Trust Yourself, Stop Overthinking and Channel Your Emotions for Success at Work. Yes, trust yourself. That's what it comes down to. And check out my new book, You Recharged. You can find me at polycampbell.com or pick up the book at Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, target.com, or your local bookstore, which I love too. And join my Facebook community at Polly Campbell Author on Facebook. And let me know how you're doing. Where does the resentment show up in your life? What are some of the ways you're using your sensitivity to get out of these traps that can hold us back. Listen, our sensitivity, our perceptions, our emotional intelligence, these are not liabilities, people. They don't have to derail us. When we can let go of the perfectionism, the people-pleasing, the overthinking, the resentment, and move toward the things that we value, we are going to thrive in any environment. And when we do that, we will all live well, do good, and be happy. Trick ass.